All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, it's great to see your smiling faces here. Hey, did you notice the back here's just a little bit different? I've been nervous all week um, because this is a big change behind me. Uh, we, we've been doing some interesting kind of polling around here and getting some kind of input from the millennials of, of just what, what, are, what would help in, uh, in making this sanctuary feel a little bit more um, contemporary. And uh, so we had some great input and some wonderful people um, purchased the TVs that are behind me. We're still trying to figure it out. People were here till midnight cleaning up. The people that were putting the wood in finished at 10.30 last night. And so there was sawdust everywhere. So I apologize if you stand... If, if you stand up and there's sawdust on your tail end, we're just all kind of in this together, so I apologize for that, but um, it's fun. I know changes can be hard for a lot of people, but at the same time, it's a new year and a fresh start. None of this is, is permanent, and this is not the reason why we're here anyway. Um, we're here to meet with God, right? And to, and to build community with each other. Get your Bibles out if you would, please. We're, and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. So you can go ahead and find that at the beginning part of your Bible. But we've been doing a series around here that we're calling Thrive. And I've been saying this over the last several weeks that one of my greatest joys in life is to lead you spiritually. Because you are a spirit being. You're not a human being who's trying to have these temporary spiritual experiences, but you are a spiritual being, and this is simply a temporary human experience that you are having. And the older that we get, and those of you who are my age or above, you realize how quickly this human experience goes by just like that. It feels like my kids were just infants yesterday, and we have some friends here from Wisconsin that are visiting us this weekend, and they have their third child here that's only about four months old, and I look at them and I think, that's, that's me, that's, that, that I still see myself in my 20s, and unfortunately when I go get my hair cut and what's left on my lap has a lot more gray in there than I want to actually admit to. And so this, this human experience, it goes by just so quickly for us. And that's why I want to help focus you on your spirit, because that's the eternal part of who you are. And what I'm hoping to do as we go along, not just with this series, as we go on for the rest of the year, that you'll discover that when you focus and invest on your spirit, you'll begin to see how that affects the other aspects of your life. And I've been saying this throughout the series that 2017 will be the greatest year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. That's how much impact our spirit has in our life. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at different areas of our life that are spiritual. This morning, we're going to dive in and look at on the topic of friends. And what I want to do here this morning is I actually want to kind of go all the way back and dig into the Bible here, because I want to show you some spiritual truths that I think will change the way you see relationships in your life. Because first and foremost, your relationships are spiritual. 
We've been doing this all throughout the series, looking at different aspects of our lives that are spiritual. Your relationships are spiritual. They're not just natural. They're not just neutral. They're not just ornaments that you hang on to your life. But relationships, friendships are a spiritual component to your life. This truth is so fundamentally important that it shows up in the very first story in your Bible. So if you have your Bible, turn with me. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start here in verse 11, or you can look on the screens as well. It says this, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. Now, if you're taking notes, if you want to do this in the margins of your sermon notes, I want you to underline the word seed-bearing. Seed-bearing. Because when God created a thing, he didn't just create that thing. But he created in that thing the seeds to be able to create more things. Now jump down to the last phrase, according to their various kinds. That phrase literally means that God shoved into that very first tree that he created. He shoved into that tree every tree that would grow after that, including the tree that's in your front yard. That's what he's talking about here in this verse. So God put in those original first creations, he put everything that would be needed for all future vegetation, all future creations there. And the reason why this is possible is because of an aspect of who God is, an attribute of who God is. And one of the attributes of who God is is that he is omnipotent. How many of you heard that word before, omnipotent? Omnipotent means this. Omni means all. Potent means potential. Now think about this. God is omnipotent, which means God has all potential in him. This is who God is. Everything that has all all potential lies within God. This is an aspect or an attribute of who God is. But the incredible thing is that God put potential in every living creature that he created Think about this. God put potential within the animals. God put potential within you and me. That's a whole message by itself that I'm going to let you chew on for a while. We'll eventually get back to that at some point. But think about it. God created you, and when he created you, he put potential in you. Our life, then, is to try to discover what is that. What is that purpose? What is that potential that God put inside of me? This is what God did. He put potential inside of all created things. And not only did he do that with animals, not only did he do that with you and me, but he also did that in nature. I want you to look at this little acorn here. I have it in my pocket. Acorns are one of the coolest little seeds, don't you think? Can you see it? It's, it's an incredible looking thing. I mean, they're just beautiful by themselves. But I want you to think about it because when God created this, he shoved into this little itty bitty acorn seed, he shoved inside of this a mighty oak tree. Look at that. And this little itty bitty thing is a mighty oak tree. Talk about potential. This little thing has incredible potential because God shoved inside of this, this mighty oak tree. This is what I'm talking about here. Look in verse 12. It says, and it was so, the land produced vegetation, 
plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now I want you to notice that multiplication has always been a part of God's original design for creation. And God created in every single one of his creatures a vehicle by which they could then multiply. And that vehicle for multiplication is intimacy. Or another way to be able to say it is that everything that becomes intimate reproduces. Now I want you to hold that thought because we're going to come back to it because this is really, really important when it comes to relationships. Everything that becomes intimate reproduces. Look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, if you're taking notes, underline that last phrase. Because this is the very first time that God speaks to mankind. It's the first interaction. It's the first thing that God comes out of his mouth when he creates mankind. He uses these words. And in the Bible, there's a law called the law of first mention. Have you ever heard that before? The law of first mention? It's a, it's a principle when studying Scripture of how to interpret Scripture because it means that the very first mention or the very first occurrence of a subject in Scripture establishes an unchangeable pattern with that subject remaining unchanged in the mind of God and throughout Scripture. In other words, the first mention or the first occurrence of it, it sets something in motion then that cannot be undone. Here, this is the very first time God speaks into mankind. Verse 28, and the first thing that he tells man is, what did it say? Be fruitful and increase or multiply. This was the very first thing that came out of God's mouth to mankind. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, those words don't just mean to have kids. There's more to those words than just reproducing yourself. It's not just a physical reproduction. It's a transference of the spirit of who you are. It's a transference of the life of who you are. It's a transference of the gifts and the nature and the temperament of who you are. That's what God's talking about here. In other words, God sets this thing in motion that there would be a transference of everything that you are would then be transferred into the next generation. This has been God's plan all along. This is what he initiated. This is what he he put together. In fact, God is so generational that he orchestrates his entire kingdom relationally. Okay, you missed that one. God is so generational that he orchestrates his entire kingdom relationally. That's how important relationships are in the heart and mind of God. And that's how important they should be to you and to me. Which means the most important decisions you will ever make in life are relational decisions. Those are the most important decisions you will ever make. 
Listen, relationships are no accident. Relationships are not these things that are just natural or neutral. Or like I said, they're not just ornaments that you hang on onto your life as you move through life. That's not what relationships are. Relationships are spiritual. Relationships are part of God's original design. And God is trying to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish through relationships. God moves and works in, our kingdom, in his kingdom and throughout our world through relationships. And it's really important for you to know that because God will open doors for you through relationships. God will work through your life to touch other people. People are incredibly important in the kingdom of God and actually into our lives as well. And so according to Genesis chapter 1, God orchestrates this transference of everything that was in the previous generation, and he makes that transference and deposits it into you and to me. And we're not just talking about a physical DNA, although we obviously see that, but what we're talking about really is a spiritual DNA. And that's why historically you can look at a family tree and you can see the same occupation reoccurring in the different generations. You can see the same temperament reoccurring in a family line over and over and over again. You see those types of things. This is why the reason why that occurs is because God created it this way. He designed it this way. He set it in motion. In every living creature, there is this generational transference. The question, though, that you and I, we need to be able to answer is why? Why did God do this? I mean, what was he up to when he, he, when he described this whole issue of transference from one generation, from relationship to relationship? What was he up to? Well, what God was up to is that what he put in motion was for the blessing that was on a family line to be passed down to the next generation, and then for that, that blessing to be multiplied. This is what God's intent was. So in other words, the blessing that was on my grandfather's life would be passed down to my dad. And that blessing then would be multiplied. And then the blessing that's on my dad would then be passed down to me. And then that blessing would be multiplied. And then the blessing that's on my life would be passed down to my kids. And then that blessing would be multiplied. This was God's intent. This is what he put together. This is what he put in motion. And this is the reason why the devil wants to weasel his way into your relationships. Because he wants to destroy that blessing that comes through relationships for your life. Don't ever forget John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he wants to do. And his primary way of doing it is to get into the middle of your relationships to destroy the relationships in your life so that blessings, what God intended, those blessings can't transfer from one generation to the other or from one relationship to the other, genera- other relationships. And this is honestly where I think God took a big risk. Because not only does the good get transferred from relationship to relationship, not only does the good get transferred from generation to generation, but the bad gets transferred as well. And I could probably exhaust you here this morning with statistics about generational curses. I'm not going to do that, but here's just one. 97% of the kids who grew up in families where their parents abused them will in turn abuse their kids. 97%, 97%, are you hearing me? 97% of the kids who have grown up with parents who abuse them will in turn then abuse their own children. Why? Why? Why is this the reason? It's because relationships are spiritual, folks. 
Relationships are spiritual, and there's a transference, a spiritual transference that's going to happen in every relationship that you have. And that spiritual trans- transference might be good, or that spiritual transference may be bad. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. It says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, some people look at these verses and they get angry at it because they're thinking, why in the world, God, do you do this? Why in the world is God doing? Why, why is God punishing the children for what their parents did? Now, you need to listen to me really quickly because this is not at all what's happening here. God's not the one who is doing this. God's not the one who's punishing these kids for what their, what their parents or their grandparents did. What's happening here is God is just stating a truth. He's just stating something that's going to happen, that's set in motion, and that is a spiritual transformation is going to happen. In every relationship that you have, there's going to be a spiritual tra- transference that's going to take place from relationship to relationship. That's how God created us. That's what he set into motion, which means when I sin, not only does it affect my life, but it can affect my children's lives as well, which is why God said in the book of Malachi, this is why he said, this is why he said I hate divorce. That's what God says. I hate divorce. It's for this reason. Look at this in Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. It says, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Now, the book of Malachi is one of the books of of the prophets. He's a prophet. And it's in the Old Testament, and actually the book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And here in these verses, the people are crying out and saying, God, why are you doing this? God, why aren't you intervening in our life? God, why aren't you listening to us? And then look at how God responds, verse 14. Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? In other words, God is saying, I've been watching. God's saying, I've been watching what's been going on with your relationship. This is what God is saying. And what he says is that you've been treating your relationships in specific, and in particular, this most critical of all relationships, this marriage relationship that you have, you've been treating this relationship with content. You've been looking at it as if, as if it's disposable. You've been, you've been seeing this relationship, and you're, and you're not being able to see the power that this relationship has. As a matter of fact, God says, you've totally forgotten what God spoke in Genesis chapter 1. You've forgotten that relationships are essential. You've forgotten that relationships are spiritual. Verse 15, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit, and why one? He seeks godly offspring. In other words, God was hoping that what he put in motion, that there would be this godly transference that would take place from one generation to another generation. But when you mess up the marriage, when you mess up the originator of that blessing, then what gets transferred to the next generation is a messed up transference. That's what he's describing here. Verse 15, therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth 
I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. In other words, God's saying, this is spiritual. These relationships are spiritual, and they affect every one of our lives. He said, you didn't realize it was spiritual. You just thought that this was a piece of paper that you signed at the courthouse. But these relationships are spiritual, which is the reason why God hates divorce so much, because of what gets transferred down to the next generation. Pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? This is what he's describing here, but before you kind of curl up and, and kind of disengage from me because maybe you're feeling guilty or condemned by your own past, you need to listen to me because we have all messed up. Every one of us, every one of us have messed up. Every one of us have messed up this godly transference that was supposed to take place. We've all done that, which is why the book of Malachi ends with this statement. Look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. It says, He will turn the hearts of the Father... So their children in the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. See, God knew, watching humanity, he knew that he needed to break this curse that was being transferred from one generation to the next generation. This is not what he wanted. He he put this in motion. He put this principle in motion that there would be a, a spiritual transference that would happen from people to people, relationship to relationship, generation to generation. He put that in motion so that the blessing could go from person to person, from family line to family line. But what had been going on is that the curse, these curses were being being passed down from generation to generation. And so here, in the last sentence, in the last book of the Old Testament, God says he's going to restore these generational relationships. Now think about it. We're starting here in Genesis chapter 1. This is what he put in motion for blessing to come from relationship to relationship. Now we're here at the end of the Old Testament. And what he sees with humanity is not blessing so much as being transferred. It's curses. It's all the bad junk that's being passed from person to person, relationship to relationship, generation to generation. And so he says, I've got to do something. I've got to change this. And here in the very last sentence, in the last book of the Old Testament, he declares it, that he's going to intervene. And the very next book in your Bible is the book of Matthew. And Jesus is born. And he comes and he lives. And, and, and through his life and through his death and his resurrection, he comes and he breaks the power of sin and the devil off of our lives so that this godly transference can now happen, so that the blessing can now happen from generation to generation. And the interesting thing is at the end of Jesus' being here on earth, the last thing that comes out of his mouth before he ascends into heaven really is a repeat of Genesis chapter 1. Now remember, what was the declaration? The first thing that came out of God's mouth when he saw humanity. What, was, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. That's the first thing that he says. Remember, this is not just a commission to go out and make babies. It's a commission to let this reproductive process of transferring seeds of blessing, let that take place within these relationships. And so the last thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth is this same commission. Look at this in Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now did you see it? 
Now, do you see the similarity between Genesis 1 and, and here, Matthew chapter 28? Jesus said, let this transference of blessing now take place. In other words, let this godly seed that you now have received, let that be transferred to others. Go and replicate the life of God that's come into your life. Go and replicate that in others. It's the same thing that God spoke in Genesis chapter 1. It's the same commission that Jesus now gives us with now authority to be able to do it. Not just as victims of the curse or junk that can be passed down from generation to generation. Now you have the power the authority, Jesus says, to actually do it, to let blessing come between friendship and friendship, relationship and relation, generation to generation. So God starts this whole story saying relationships are spiritual. And then he ends the whole story with relationships are spiritual. Every relationship that you are in today is spiritual. And so because of that, because relationships are spiritual, number two, relationships have lasting impact. Relationships have lasting impact in your life. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. See, because relationships are spiritual, the impact of relationships is absolutely enormous in your life. And notice in these verses that these relationships, the impact can either be good or they can be bad again. It says, He who walks with the wise grows what? wise but a companion of a fool suffers what harm. harm here which means if you get around the wrong relationships what's going to happen there's still a spiritual transference that's going to take place there's still a reproductive process that's going to take place with these relationships in your life and the closer you get to people the greater the impact will have in your life good or bad which brings me to number three relationship choices are critical relationship choices are critical and so that's why we have to give effort to this that's why we have to be proactive in choosing our relationships carefully because they are spiritual there's going to be a transference that's going to take place in these relationships proverbs 27 verse 19 says a mirror reflects a man's face but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses now, let me make this very specific for you here this morning, because if you want to lose weight, then you need to make sure you have people in your life who will support you and will join in with you to lose weight as well. If you want to go to the gym more often, then you need to make sure that you have people in your life who will support you and who will go to the gym with you. If you want to experience healing in your life, you need to make sure that you have people in your life who will support you and who will pray with you. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, you need to make sure you have people in your life who will support you and who are also pursuing God so that you can do this together. That's what this means here. God set this system of reproduction up when he created it, and it's not going to change. You can't change it. I can't change it. It is set in motion. We can't stop it, which means the relationships that you have are critical for your well-being. They're absolutely critical. The people that are around you, remember, the closer you get to people, the more intimacy that you have with people, the greater the impact will happen in your life, the greater the reproduction will take place. And so there's a couple of questions that I think we all need to be able to 
um, ask and answer for ourselves. Here's the first one. So am I nurturing important relationships? Am I nurturing important relationships? Which means you need to identify which ones are the important relationships in your life. Which are the ones that are life-giving in your life? Are you then nurturing those? In Galatians 5, verse 13, it says, Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. You know, I think the most important relationships in our lives tend to be the relationships that most of us take for granted, right? The ones that are the most important in our life are the ones that we tend to take for granted. And the ones who are most important in our life tend to be the ones we're so lackadaisical with to the point that we're not careful what comes out of our mouths. And so we can say the most hateful, the most devouring, the most nasty things to the most important people in our life. And the craziness about this is because we would never say those things to a stranger. But yet, for whatever reason, we get so comfortable that we'll allow our mouth to speak these devouring, nasty things to the most important people in our life. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly what he wants you to do in the most important relationships in your life. The devil wants to attack those most important relationships because those are the ones who have the most influence in your life. Those are the ones where the potential for the most greatest blessing to be imparted into your life comes from. And so the devil wants to attack those relationships in your life, which is why, folks, we need to take the time to nurture those relationships. To actually spend time and communicate and, and to love on and do life together with those who are the most important in your life. And here's the second question we need to be able to ask ourselves, and that is, am I severing harmful relationships? Am I severing harmful relationships? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I want to ask you just to listen to me real quick here, if you would, please. Because some of you have friends and coworkers, classmates, who are influencing you in a negative way. Some of you have people in your life who are asking you to do things that you know are wrong. Some of you teenagers here in the room, you need to listen to me. Because the people around you, you have people in your life that are trying to coerce you and do things that you know are wrong. Some of you have people in your life who are just leading you down the wrong path. I said this a couple weeks ago, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Your friends are going to reflect your future. And some of us, we have people in our life who are just taking us down the wrong path. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. There is going to be a reproduction in those relationships. You can't stop it. And so when you get around people who are not going in the same direction and believe the same things that you do, then they are going to take you down a path they want to go. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. That's what he said. Don't be misled by this. Don't think that you're the one that can be that change agent. You need to make sure you surround yourself with life-giving, godly people that are going in the same direction, which is why there may be people in your life, even this week, that you need to sever those harmful relationships. 
There may be people in your life that you are allowing to influence you that are harmful for you, that you need to cut those relationships off in your life. And then the third question we need to be able to ask ourselves is, am I initiating meaningful relationships? Am I initiating meaningful relationships? Because how God created us, because relationships are spiritual, because there's going to be a transference that's going to take place in these relationships, because of all this, we need to take the initiative. We need to be proactive at building godly relationships in our lives. We all, folks, need godly relationships in our life. I need that. You need that. We all need godly relationships in our lives. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, you don't just need a whole bunch of casual relationships. You need to create close, meaningful, life-giving, godly relationships in your life. And I don't know how it is for you, but those things don't just always land in your lap. You have to be intentional about it which is why today we're launching all the different small groups. The reason why we're doing that is not church programming. It's because it is essential. Because here's the thing. We can come to church like this on a Sunday, and you can sit out here, and we can kind of get all excited what God is doing and, and the worship team and singing songs and worshiping God together, and you can hear somebody talk and give a message and read Scripture to you. But the reality is very little movement will happen in your life if that's all you do. You know why? Because it's passive learning. You're not asking any questions. There's not a dialogue here. I'm speaking to you. And you could have slept through this whole thing. It's, we don't grow very far this way, folks. This is important because it's, because it's the, the launching pad for so many different things. But the reality will be how you'll grow and really move forward is when you're in a home with a smaller group of people and you begin to look at Scripture and you begin to ask questions, I, I don't understand, I don't get this, or what does this mean? Or I don't believe that, or I don't agree. Where you have that conversation with people, that's where movement happens. Because now you're building relationships with people who are trying to move forward with their relationship with God. Most people don't have the opportunity to surround themselves 24-7 with Christian people. And so we have to be intentional about it. Maybe your workplace is, is not a good influence for you. Maybe your classroom, your school is not a good influence for you. And so that means you need to find, be intentional about connecting in smaller groups. All you teenagers, make sure you come to tag. Make sure you're part of the youth stuff that's going on because that's where your life is going to happen. That's where you're going to be able to figure out how to get through middle school and high school and, and come out okay and not have your parents mad at you when you graduate. And all of us who are outside of school settings, it's exactly the same. And so I don't do this very often, you know, because I, I don't ever want to push or make you feel obligated to anything. But let me just say, let me ask you, get involved with a group. Get involved with a group with other people who are pursuing God. Don't try to do this by yourself. And how we just kind of do it around here is we do it kind of in a semester system, just like the school system. There's three different semesters. And so we're now heading into the winter and spring semester. And so all these groups are launching. We'll start this week and then they'll end, you know, about June, you know, when school gets out and then we'll head into summer time and have a summer semester of groups and connecting points. And then we'll do it again then in the fall. This is kind of the rhythm of how we do things here at One Chapel. It's kind of the rhythm of the church. 
And so let me just ask you, just try it. Try it for a couple months. Connect with one of these different groups. You should have received one of these different things. And, and these are just not even all of the groups. You go, you go online, you'll be able to find the complete list of groups that are happening out here at Lake Travis, um, as well as you'll see all the, all the one chapel small groups that we have that are in Dripping Springs and Buda and Kyle and Austin, North Austin, Central Austin, all, all over the place. You'll see the whole complete list of different groups that are taking place. Let me ask you, just try it. Try, try to get into one of, these different, one of these different groups. You know, so the group that I'm in is the best small group ever. It's, it's, that one's, that's the name of the group, you know. Alan was plugging his, so I thought, no. Find one that works, though, in your schedule. They're all throughout the week, and they're different areas, and Briarcliff, and Lakeway, and Bee Cave, and around here. They're all over. Just find one that you can connect with, and just do this together. Be intentional about, about building these godly relationships in your life. I want to ask you just to close your eyes here this morning because I want you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you just a little bit here because I want you to think about the people who are right now in your life because, you know, maybe you have a, a bunch of godly people that are, you're surrounded with. And you see the blessing of it, but maybe some of you here this morning, you realize, boy, there's, there, I don't have that in my life. I don't have a lot of godly people. I'm not sure who I could call if a tragedy strikes or a crisis strikes or if I have questions. I don't know what I, what I would do in those situations. And so maybe here this morning, there's, there's just some things that, that God wants to do in your own heart here right now and, and right here in this moment, because... I want you to think first and foremost about the most important people in your life. You know, for some of you, that might be your spouse. It might be your children or your parents, your grandparents, your kids or your grandkids. Just who are those most important relationships? Maybe you have some godly, strong friends in your life. So are you nurturing those relationships? Because the devil wants to destroy those. So be intentional. What do, you, what do you need to do this week to be intentional about nurturing those relationships? And maybe for some of you, you have some really harmful relationships in your life. And maybe God's already speaking to you right here. But there's some people that you need to cut off of your life. That you, need, you need to not spend a lot of time around those people. You need to adjust your your schedules, you need to adjust the amount of time you're spending with it. You know whether those are co-workers, whether they're friendships, whether they're classmates. You know who those people are. But remember, there's going to be transference that will take place in those relationships. And so there may be some people that are asking you to do things that you know are wrong. And this week, you need to do some things immediately to begin to change your relationships and to cut those relationships out of your life. And then, what do you need to do, even this week, to initiate life-giving, godly relationships in your life? What, what, what can you do? Where can you just start to build those relationships in your life? Maybe you're new to the area. Maybe you've been around here a long time, but you've kind of gotten stuck in just kind of doing life, and you're realizing there's lack 
of that in your life. So what, what can you do? Are you willing to jump into a group this week? Are you willing to surround yourself with other godly people who are pursuing God? Father, I thank you here this morning that, that you show us really what's going on. And Lord, I feel so often that we're just like the people in Malachi's day where we're asking, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why aren't you, why aren't you intervening here in this situation? And, and really it comes back to these relationships that are in our life. You're trying to get us back to what's being transferred into our life and making sure that we surround ourselves with godly people. And so, Father, I pray that for every one of us here today. That just as you did in Malachi's day, that God, you would expose the different friendships in our life and the impact that they're having and what we're supposed to do. That God, we would see our relationships differently from this point on, knowing and seeing and realizing that something's going to be reproduced. Something's going to be transferred from this relationship to me and from me to this relationship. And so, Father, I pray you just open our eyes to the people in our life. That, God, we would put ourselves in a position for you to be able to do the extraordinary in. As we look at 2017, our desire to thrive, that, Father, the, all these things that are spiritual in our life, Lord, I pray that we would get them in order so that we can see the other parts of our lives really thrive. And, Lord, I pray that you give everyone here courage and boldness to do those things in those relationships that are around us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I wanted to end here a little early here this morning because, as Alan said, um, out there in the foyer are some of the different groups and group leaders. I want you to meet them. Please take time because there is lunch here for all of you. Whether you realized it or not, it makes no difference. There is a ton of food upstairs. And so I want to invite you to stick around. Take a risk, meet some people, eat some great food, linger here a little bit. Everybody who came here that didn't realize this was happening, that's fine. There's plenty of food. Just stick around. Go upstairs.